right. Well, it's been such a good night of uh, testimonies and things like that. Uh, makes you a little nervous to get up here because you don't want to ruin it. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter number 5. That is page 1246. Ah, well, Kenzie gave me this one. I can't get another one. Galatians chapter 5. We've been uh, going through the book of Galatians here for some time now, a few few months when, with the scattered periods here that I've had. Um, we've been just working our way through the book. I've never done a series like this, continuing on. And uh, so it's, sometimes it's hard to get up here the next time and keep the momentum going from the last time you spoke. But... Um, I think this is our last night on this book. Um, I'm not sure. We're just going to keep going until the Holy Spirit stops talking to me about it. But uh, I don't have a title for the series necessarily, but we've been looking at it in a few different parts. We started with our focus, getting our focus back on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we... um, moved into our faith, we spent a couple of nights talking about the faith that we have, and then we took a night to discuss our family and the inheritance that we have as being a child of God. And now, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to move into the last portion of the book on our fight, because obviously, if we're going to get our focus back on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to follow him according to his word, there will be some opposition. And if you don't have opposition in your Christian life, something's not right. Uh, Adrian Rogers said it, and I know I quote him all the time. Uh, He's just got a lot of good stuff. Um, He said that if you're not fighting with the devil, you must be going the same direction. So, you know, don't, don't be discouraged when you have those moments with the devil and with the flesh, okay? But, but um, we want to talk about that tonight. The primary text for this part about our fight, fight is going to be in chapter 5 and verse 1. And there will be a little bit of a recap here as we read through a couple of these verses. Um, Galatians 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So Paul is telling us to stand fast, to stand firm, and thank God we have that solid rock that we can stand on. That was a perfect song for tonight. You were just helping me lay the groundwork there. And... um, the liberty that he has brought us with. You know, Paul illustrated to us that we're no longer in bondage to sin, but now we have been made free from sin. 
And so not being entangled again with the yoke of bondage, not letting ourselves get chained back up to that past life. And then further on down, in verse number 5, he says, For we walk through the Spirit, or sorry, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And if I could sum that up in a short phrase, basically what he's saying is now we're just waiting to be taken out of this world, Brother Lewis. We are waiting for that rapture. That is our blessed hope of righteousness through our faith. And at the end of that hope, the fulfillment of that hope is then when we can receive that inheritance. Okay? So Paul wants us to stand fast and... As you can imagine, there's some criteria to stand fast and to stand firm. And so, as we talk about our faith, I'm sorry, our fight, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 is our primary text for that topic. Tonight, we're going to talk specifically about walking in the Spirit. And that's going to be the main text for that thought is out of verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he lists a whole bunch of things that manifest itself. On down to verse number 22, he gives the opposite. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another envying one another so we talk about walking in the spirit i think i believe it's important that we talk about a few different men okay and before we and i'm i say types of men you know we're not we're not talking about Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. We're talking about three specific men that are described in the Word of God. That would be the natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. And I list them in that order specifically for a reason. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we dive into these three specific men, we need to first talk about the three parts of a man, if you will. And that would be the spirit of a man, the soul of a man, and the body. And again, there's a reason that I put it in that order, okay? But we'll start on the outside and we'll work our way in, okay? Let's start with the body. What is the body? Well, the body is that outward flesh, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the hands. If somebody were to ask you, if they come here next Sunday and they say, uh, you know, who's Brent Doss? You'd say, well, he's that skinny dude over there, you know, tall and dark hair and all that. Uh, you're, you're, you're describing my flesh. You're describing my body, 
You're not describing who I am. You're not describing my Christian walk. You're describing my outward appearance. It is an earthly house for God to dwell in. I heard a great message a couple of weeks ago at the Cold Spring Camp meeting from Brother Alan Gullick, and he talked the whole week about uh, the ark and the, and the present, dwelling in the presence of God and how the ark in the Old Testament was the dwelling place of God. And now with us in the New Testament, God seeks to dwell inside of us. And so it's this dwelling house where God desires to reign and to rule. Uh, if followed according to the Scripture, according to His will, it is the temple of God. And so because of that, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we're to present our bodies that living sacrifice, to give it over completely to the Holy Spirit. And the body uh, is, is temporal. The, the, the Bible says that um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, uh, to the dust will return, Okay. So that is our body, and let's move into the soul. What is the soul? The soul is going to be our, our mind, our will, our emotions, if you will, what makes decisions, okay? We, we all have a soul, and uh, we, we feel with our soul. The Bible says that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Those affections stem out of our soul. It is with the soul that we choose. The Bible says in the book of Job that the things that my soul refuseth to touch. And then the soul is also our mind, our capacity of learning. Proverbs chapter 19 talks about the soul being without knowledge is not good. And talks also about mixing wisdom with that knowledge. Important to have wisdom. So the soul is primary, the mind, the will, the emotions. Uh, it is not to be subject um, to the body, but it should be subject to the Spirit of God. So this, the soul, we're to honor to God with our mind, with our thoughts, with our intelligence. We're to honor God with our will, our decisions. We are to honor God with our emotions and to love one another and not esteem loving myself and more than others. And the third one would be the spirit. Spirit is the part of man that connects and communicates with God. Uh, there, there's a, a distinct a definite and a defined spirit that is in man, okay? God, the Holy Spirit, is to be speaking to our spirit to communicate his will through our life. So it, the spirit cannot hear, cannot see or feel it, but it, in reference to the things of God, the spirit cannot hear the things of God unless it is awakened, okay? And um, the order that we want to talk about is the spirit 
and then the soul, and then the body. God desires to speak to through His Holy Spirit to our spirit. That way, my spirit would then, through His Spirit, speak to my soul, which would speak to my mind, my will, my emotions, my decisions, and my thoughts, and then that would then dictate my body, the things that my hands touch, the things that my eyes look at, the things that my ears listen to, the places that my feet go. The world has the philosophy of body, soul, spirit, but the Word of God illustrates to us that it should be the spirit, the soul, and the body. It's all going to dwell right there around the soul, and which way does the flow go? In a pipeline, in the pipeline industry, you might think of it as a check valve. A check valve allows fluid uh, to go one direction, but it can't go back the other direction. And God wants us to have that check valve right there on the soul, allowing flow from the spirit to the body. My soul is to be directed by the Holy Spirit and not by my body. Because when we have that flow starting with the spirit, then the life of God inside of me can be expressing itself. And that is the key, Ethan, to having a good testimony. And people see where you and I go and say, there's something different about that, man. It's because they see the Holy Spirit working through you. And so if we want to have a good testimony, if we want to be expressing the life of God and what He's done for us, we have to stay in that flow. What are the conditions? What's the, what's the condition of the body? Well, the body's either going to be representing the Holy Spirit, God, or it's going to be representing the world. You're either going to be in the will of God through your body, or you're going to be following after the world. What are the conditions of the soul? The soul is either going to be listening to the Holy Spirit, as we said, or it's going to be listening to uh, the worldly spirit, if you will, those worldly Influences And as Paul listed here, the works of the flesh manifest themselves. You will know where that root is planted based on the fruit. And then the, the conditions of the spirit, it's either dead or alive. And um, the only way that it can be alive is through the quickening of the Holy Spirit as the apostle Paul describes in a different epistle. And where the Holy Spirit makes that spirit alive, it creates that communication with the Holy Spirit. It brings peace into my heart, and then out through my body flows the life and the presence of Almighty God. And then where I can be a dwelling place that pleases Him. So the Holy... So the Spirit must be quickened by the Holy Spirit, or, on the other hand, it is as it was from the beginning where it is dead, and that would be the natural man. So moving, in, moving on down through these, talking about these men, starting with that spiritual man, the spiritual man, actually, let's start with the natural man. Let's start with the natural man because it's easier to understand that flow. The natural man is as we were when we were born into this world. 
We were of the nature of Adam, which means we were of the nature of sin. We were of the nature of disobedience, rebellion, you name it. We are dead. We're not listening to the things of God. We can't comprehend the things of God because that communication is not, that connection is not established. And so the natural man is living with a flow of simply body to soul. Everything that he chooses to do, everything that he, everywhere he wants to go is based on the world's influence because it's impossible for him to receive anything from the Holy Spirit until he becomes alive in spirit. The day we get saved, we then move to the spiritual man. Okay? Now, when we've gotten, when we've received salvation and we begin that sanctification process, which is, you know, we are dwelling in until that day of the fulfillment of our hope, if you will, until the day the Lord takes us. Okay? Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. It was a long train. I just had a disconnect right there. Um, we are now a spiritual man. We now have that flow. It's almost as if you now get to choose which check, uh, check valve you want to put there in that pipeline. But if we plug in that check valve from spirit to the body, then we can do those things we talked about. But if I decide that I'm going to start listening to my body, if I want to start listening to the worldly influences, then we start closing off that direction from the Holy Spirit, and now we're receiving stuff from the world, and now we moved into that carnal stage, which, by the way, is the most miserable of those three stages. Because the natural man doesn't understand what the joy of Christ is like. He has no clue. But the carnal man knows what that joy is like. He knows what that peace is like. And now he's lost it for the time being. And so now that man is he, he's allowing his decisions, his emotions, his will, his mind to all be guided by the world and not the Holy Spirit. And so now he's losing that testimony because he's not, he's not, uh, he's not listening to the Holy Spirit anymore. Turn, turn over with me to Romans. Turn left in your Bible. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Make sure we all stay awake here. Romans chapter number 7. All right, Romans chapter number 7, that's on page 1200 exact, by the way. That's an easy one for you. Don't say it. Romans chapter number 7, starting in verse number 15. Talking about that opposition here a little bit. Paul says, for that which I do, I allow not. Romans 7, verse 15, For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he answers his own question. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh serve the law of sin. A lot of people say that's a confusing passage. It's not confusing to me. It's black and white. He says what he means, and he means what he says. And, you know, here's a little freebie, okay? You got a lot of people. You go down to the Christian bookstore, and I don't, I don't know who, I don't think I'm talking to anybody in here. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody online or what, but when you go into a Christian bookstore and they say, here's all the children books, and uh, I think some of that's okay. Now, here's the children's book. That way they'll understand it. Well, why are you trying to dumb it down for them? Well, they may not understand all of this uh, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. They may not understand that. Well, If you took their eyes off the television set and stuck their nose in a few books, they would learn how to read better, and they would understand this a lot better. There's nothing wrong with the way this is written. It, it, me, it says what it means, and it means what it says. We ought to read it and apply it to our lives. Obviously, what Paul is talking about here is that there is an obvious battle that he was dealing with between his flesh and his spirit. And that he realized that in my flesh is no good thing. So if you see one of those things back in Galatians 5, that the flesh manifests itself through, Paul says, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's my flesh. Paul was just being human with this. He says, I I deal with my flesh all the time here. He said, you can expect to do the same. I was thinking, Brother Roger, on my way here tonight, if I have the years right, I've known you for about 16 years. And um, Brother Rogers watched me grow up since I was weedle bitty to now. And Brother Rogers has been very gracious to open up his schedule to allow me to come to him for counseling. And I try to be as transparent as possible because I know if I'm not transparent, he can't really help me. And Brother Roger. He's seen me battle with the flesh throughout all those years. He's seen it recently where I was battling with my flesh. He's seen me on the highs. He's seen me on the lows. And I think if you were to ask him, every time that I was on the low, the way I got out of it, number one was when I humbled myself. I wasn't going to get out of it until I humbled myself and I came before my Heavenly Father, and I confessed it to him. And I said, here's my fault. Forgive me, restore me, help me to press on and be better. 
And that humility right there is what's going to turn that check valve around. Because we're talking about walking in the Spirit. He doesn't say, let the Spirit drag you. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, leave the Holy Spirit. That certainly would be a big problem. He says, walk with the Spirit. That implies a few things to me. Number one, it implies that I'm in unity with the Holy Spirit. Not that he's in unity with me. Understand the difference. I'm in unity with the Holy Spirit. Number two, that I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Number three, that I'm in agreement. You say, well, Brent, that's kind of all the same. Agreement and unity. Yeah, I know, but if you just say unity of the Holy Spirit, you don't find yourself thinking about it as much. So if you give it a few different words, unity, fellowship, agreement, it'll make you think a little more, all right? That's just the kind of nerd I am. I like to think about things here a little bit. But I can't do any of those things unless I'm submissive to the Holy Spirit. And then I can walk in the Spirit and not live in my flesh. What are the benefits? Well, the first benefit, number one, is for ourselves. It's for me that, number one, I'll be living out that joy of the Spirit and that that fruit of the Spirit will be fruit of the Spirit will be bearing witness of what He's done in my life, and I'll have a good testimony. I'm going back to Galatians 5, by the way. Back to the right, Galatians 5. When I have this unity, this fellowship, this agreement, it allows me to do a few things. It's going to allow me to have that testimony. It's going to allow me to be a help and encouragement to my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ. Moving over to chapter 6 and verse number 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's almost like those trees, those trees in California. Uh, the name of them slips my mind, but you know they they don't have a they don't have a deep root, but the roots go out and they interlock with each other and they help each other withstand the storms and all of that. You know, it's a classic preaching illustration you know we've all heard it but being there for each other it's one of the benefits of having a christian family which you know I've, I've said people don't understand what the peace of god is they don't understand what having a family like this is like i was leaving the office today and when i got in the truck i saw within 10 minutes apart two people that texted me saying they were praying for me tonight that was an encouragement. And uh, being there for each other, helping each other through this fight, it's sort of like if we were all lined up running as soldiers and someone took a fall, you just kind of help them. You grab them by the arm. You know, you help them wipe the dust off and move forward. God can't, 
use us as He will if we're not listening to His Holy Spirit. A lot of people say they want to be used by God, but He's not but they're not making an effort. Maybe they're not interested in going to church. How's God going to use you if you don't want to listen to Him? Because in a sense, not doing those things is slightly in the, in the if you're not, if you're not, walk, let me back up. If you're not walking in the Spirit, I think there's a case of a little bit of unbelief going on. And as soon as we cut off our belief in Him, our dependence upon Him, then he can't, he can't use us. We have to be completely given to Him, presenting our bodies with that Holy Spirit, because God does not work in an area of unbelief. And Kenzie and I were talking about this last night. It drives me crazy when I hear people, and I hear them at, at work all the time, Brother Lewis, you know that God's at work. God's always doing something. He's always working. Don't say that. Because in Matthew, if they read their Bible, they'll see where Jesus did not do works in the land because of their unbelief. You want to chain the hands of God? Don't believe in it. Don't believe that He can. Don't believe that He can help you with your marriage. If somebody's struggling with the marriage and they're not willing to pray about that marriage, then how can they expect God to do anything about it? But when they do submit themselves, they have that humility, and they start praying for that marriage, then they just need to trust God and let his hands work. Because he knows when we need surgery, surgery is not fun, but it's needed. So there's an umbrella of topics here when it comes to being in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and listening to the Holy Spirit. He's willing to talk to us, but we have to be willing to talk to Him. And we're not going to talk to Him if we're full of pride. My Heavenly Father, God, Lord, Lord, I thank You for the Word that You've given us, Father, the truth that can be found therein, Lord, thank you for for being such a good God to us, Father. Being so being someone that we can put our full trust in, Lord. Father, I I don't know where this message is going tonight, Father. Lord, I just simply give it to you and trust you with it. I pray that we would be daily reminded of walking in the Spirit and submitting to your Spirit, to your will, that you might receive the honor and the glory and use us according to thy will. Bless us now, I pray, as we go our own ways. Bring us back safely on Sunday. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.